Do you know what I notice? That I do this. I do this. For those of you watching on YouTube, my arms are always up. It looks like I'm doing the fucking YMCA for my entire podcast. Just YMCA and for an hour and a half, every goddamn time I record something. Why do I do that? For those of you listening on the audio, which is most of you, you don't know what I'm talking about. But essentially what I'm talking about is I always have my hands in the air and I don't understand why. I don't get it. And I just recently noticed it now it bugs the shit out of me. So I'm going to handcuff my hands together underneath my body. And it's just going to be a me. Just my face. That's it. All movements coming from my face. Do I need to toggle some switches? My face. Do I need to turn my lights on? My face. Do I need to hit mute? My face. That's just how I have to be. Because I'm sick of using these stupid hands. These hands? These opposable thumbs? That's what got us to where we are today. We killed off all of the other species that didn't have this ability. And guess what? Now I hate it. So what am I going to do? I don't know yet. Haven't decided. I might burn my hands off. I might chop them off. I don't know. I might bite my fingers off. Honestly, don't know. But that's not the point. That's not why you're here. You are here because, ladies and gentlemen... This episode of the podcast features. And what is the podcast called? What is it called? Do you know? It's called the state of the universe. And that does not mean we talk about cosmology. People tend to think that. They think the state of the universe, you must be talking about the beginning of the universe. No, dummies. Because the state of the universe is like a common thing in cosmology. You talk about the state of the universe. No, that's not what we're here for. Okay, We talk about some cosmology, but we're more interested in the state of the entire universe. Not the first few seconds, none of that bullshit. Not the last few seconds, no. All of it. The entirety of cosmic history. That's why you're here. And today we have the great Dr. Ray Weiss. He's a Nobel laureate. Don't know if that's how you pronounce the word laureate, honestly. I don't know. There's too many vowels. And I can't make my mouth say all of the sounds. I feel like I'm in second grade again. Sounding, is that when you start sounding shit out? Honestly, my my concept, my concept of when little kids learn shit is so off. It is so off. I don't know what you do in first grade. I don't know what you learn in third grade. I don't know what you do in fourth grade. I don't know what you're even supposed to know when you get to kindergarten. I have no goddamn clue. Not, no, I, not only do I not have a clue, but I don't even have a sense. Like I couldn't even guess. Do you, are you supposed to know how to speak when you're in kindergarten? Or are you do you not even know your numbers yet? These are the things I don't know. And if we're being completely honest, there's probably kids in kindergarten that don't know their numbers yet. And also kids in kindergarten that can speak fluently. But I can't understand little kids anyway. They speak... I, I, I don't get it. What do they... What language do they use? It's, it's like this weird, like... It's... Oh my god, little kids suck, you know? All you parents out there, you agree. Little kids, the worst. I want to have kids one day, but I want them to like pop out of the womb at like seven years old. And then I want them to disappear between the ages of 12 and 18. And I want them to come back after they're successful. Because I'm, I don't want to deal with me. I don't want to deal with some dumb shit who was like I was at that age. <gasps> because I would commit murder. I would. Okay? No, I wouldn't really. Okay, and I have to say that now because we live in a, my generation is going to experience something uniquely different than anything anyone's ever experienced. 
And that is that everything they've ever said online will be called into question at some point in their life. So me saying that I'm gonna kill my child, one day I'm gonna be in court. And they're gonna say, Brendan, you don't seem like you're mentally stable because in this video clip that was recorded in May of 2019, you said that you would kill your child. Can you explain these comments? And that will happen. That's why my generation, we're gonna have to get rid of the presidency. The United States presidency, gone. Get rid of it because no one is qualified in this generation. Not because we're not smart and capable, but because you're never going to find someone with it that didn't say some dumb shit online. Never. If you if you contact Facebook and you drudge up some shit that I said when I was 14, guess what? Not being president. Not running for office. You want to know why? Because the shit I said when I was 14 is going to get me kicked off every campaign. Done. And I think that's true for like everyone. At least I hope. Was everyone as stupid online at 14 as I was? You know? And and pretty soon we're going to start recording every video game interaction. And guess what, kids? Your careers are over. Because I hear the shit you say to other people on video games. And guess what? See ya. Because you're getting canceled. But anyway, that's not the point. I, this is the eighth time I've said it. This episode features Ray Weiss. Dr. Ray Weiss, the pioneer of LIGO. And in this short clip, we talk about what it took to get LIGO funded. LIGO is the instrument that can detect gravitational waves. It went from an idea in the 1970s that was taboo. And Ray Weiss had a hard time getting money to work on this and getting students interested in working on this because he couldn't find the money and transitioned to now where it's now the highest funded scientific endeavor ever by the NSF, sitting on top of $1.1 billion in gold coins. If you dig underneath the LIGO site, there is $1.1 billion in gold coins. And that's a fact. And don't fact check me, because don't. But it is a fact, okay? Just trust everything I say without question. You wanna know why? Because you listen to me. That's it. So with that being said, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, whatever. You know the drill. But one more thing I have to say. I'm giving away a free book from my guest earlier this week. I had Dr. David Warmflash on. He wrote a book. It's called An Illustrated History of the Moon. It is an incredible book, and I'm giving away several free copies. All you got to do is go to my website, thestateoftheuniverse.com. Go to the Recent Episodes tab, and you can figure out how to enter to win that f- one of those free books. So you don't have to do anything extravagant. You just have to jump through one or two hoops. It will take you no more than 60 seconds. Okay? So with that being said, I hope that you are interested in winning the book. I hope that you like this episode. Leave some comments. Leave some feedback. Leave some messages. Email me. I don't care what you do. Subscribe to the Patreon and the PayPal. Give me some money. Why? I'm broke. Okay? Give me some money. Why? I'm broke. All right? Every dime you gave me. Look at this. Look at this fancy new thing. Do you see this? Doesn't make noise. My old one. You try to move it, and it would just—it would sound literally like a metal shed in the wind. And that doesn't sound good on podcast recordings. Okay? Do you know what does sound good on podcast recordings? 360 degree, no sound, swivel. Do you do you notice how my voice is like varying? That's because I'm moving my microphone, and you don't hear shit. Yeah. We upgrade. Every dime I get from you guys, it goes back into the podcast. 
It goes back into making the studio better. It goes back into making the production better. It goes into all that. So with that being said, love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Mansfield, a guy who was a, he was a senator at the time, passed an amendment to the Military Procurement Act. This is in the early 70s, mid 70s, yeah, not quite the mid 70s, which said the military should not support science unless it's in their mission to do it. Mm-hmm. That stopped a fantastic program that the government, you know, our government had in training scientists. Yeah. It, it, you now had to show that what you were working on was relevant to the military mission. And that was locally interpreted. The military had no idea what they needed. It was mm-hmm. locally interpreted by administrators in the different universities. So they used that. The people at the universities used that to clean up their act. Mm-hmm. And they brought people in who they liked better than people who were working on crazy stuff. And that's what happened at MIT. So suddenly I was uh, left without any money, and I had to write a proposal to the National Science Foundation. And what and year is this? This is? I, I got out in 1973. Four. Okay. Military had supported the initial military, mm-hmm. had put $50,000 of their money to build a prototype at MIT. We started on that. But in the middle of it all, two things happened. I could, put, I could not put graduate students on it because MIT wouldn't accept a thesis from a person who was doing only technical development. Mm. In those, you had to, yeah, if you could measure a gravitational wave, they would have been very interested in that. But with a little prototype, you had no chance whatsoever. Yeah, six years yeah, is a, is a short time to measure gravitational waves. Yeah, so, you know, and that was not something that was considered a viable PhD thesis. In those days, it was, you had to do something with new physics. Well, people began to realize that there was some new physics in that, but it took a long time. Mm-hmm. So I could not put graduate students on it. And the other thing is I lost all the money, so I've got some money. I tried to get money from the NSF. And what happened is the idea of using light and the timing of light to measure gravitational waves is universally poo-pooed as an idea that was not going to work. I won't go into the reasons for that. Is people misunderstanding Einstein's theory. Yeah. And the people who, and uh, in fact, when you can easily get yourself into trouble by saying if you let space stretch through the mm-hmm. gravitational wave, why doesn't the wavelength of light stretch along with it? And that's the conundrum everybody got themselves into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, th- this is a, a great point. And, and for the sake yeah. of time, I want to yeah. stay on this topic, but fast forward to yeah. the early 1990s because the NSF was still very much doubting this idea. I found a quote by the director of the National Science Foundation at the time, Walter Massey, and he says, even though Einstein's theory of general relativity, this is his quote, predicts gravitational waves, they'd never been observed. So you want us to build a machine that you don't know will work to find something that may or may not exist. Uh, very good. That's a wonderful quote, and that was the problem of the field. But the guy who managed to get around that mm-hmm. is a man we now celebrate. His name is Richard Isaacson. And he was the discipline chief for gravitation at the, at the, at the NSF. During that time, all that time, from the 70s on, early 70s, all the way to 2000. Mm-hmm. And he single-handedly, because he himself was deeply interested in gravitational waves, had written one of the most important papers on the proof that gravitational waves carry energy. He had been a student of Misner's and and, and we just celebrated him, by the way. He has mm-hmm. now a, a an award, if you you might as well take a, take note of it. It's an award for young people or young, old people, but it's for people working. We gave money to mm-hmm. an award called the Richard Isaacson Award, which is for people working in gravitational radiation research, both theory and experiment, okay? Mm-hmm. And you can now, you know, the American Physical Society will give an award to one, a person like that every year. They just gave one to Stan Whitcomb, who was the, one of the first really very important scientists in the LIGO project. 
mm-hmm. he just scored. He I was I just was there a couple of days ago mm-hmm. and celebrated with him the winning of that award. But Richard Isaacson is the guy who convinced the NSF, and he was an NSF member, starting with his boss at as a physics boss, that this was an interesting field, exactly the right thing for the NSF to get into, mm-hmm. just because of what you said, yes. namely that it was risky, that they weren't sure the technology was going to go. I mean, here we're talking about measuring 10 to the minus 18 of a nuclear saw, a, mm-hmm. a meter. And on top of that, we didn't even know what the sources were. The only thing we knew with that in those days was supernova, maybe. Right. We didn't really know about that. Well, we began to suspect that maybe uh-huh. there were uh, compact binaries, but we never thought of that there would be binary black hole pairs. I mean, the idea of black holes was around, but in pairs was not something you could have, in, in with any kind of credibility, made an argument for. So in other words, just what you said. Now, where did Walter Massey come in? Let me tell you something. He was a hero also in this. This Now, Walter Massey did this much later. This is now in the 70s, but by the time LIGO got to be big time, which is the 90s, in the early 90s, Rich Isaacson and the NSF was solidly behind LIGO. Every opportunity they had to put money into it, they would do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was really spectacular. Even though we had all sorts of, we had personnel problems, we had administrative problems, and we had problems in the laboratory getting the sensitivity up. And now what happened is the astronomers turned us in about 1990s, turned on us. Okay, and as some very famous astronomer, in fact, uh, John Bacall, who now later on recanted on this because he began to realize. Mm-hmm. But David, Bacall and others, very, very famous people in the astronomy, want to stop the whole business of the NSF going forward with this because they said it's not ready yet. It's not, it costs so much money, it will not produce any science that's interesting. How much of that, I wanted to ask you about this, how much of that do you think was because this was such a big project, taking so much money from potentially other avenues of yeah, research? Yeah, uh, that's always what it is. That's always what it is. Yeah. But I mean, you have the, the, uh, the agencies that support research mm-hmm. have to make judgments. And now it turns out right. the scientific community tries to help them. Mm-hmm. And what we, for example, we're in that process right now. Right now, there is a new decadal survey in astronomy and astrophysics, yep. which is being going on right now, and it's being run for the, to, to look at all the big projects and see how they will, are they amenable to working, make, be making them cheaper, making them right, is the science interesting enough, and they, they rank order these things. I will Maybe, spend you know, an hour this afternoon from 4.30 to 5.30 sitting down and, and talking through them, yes. Right, well, you, and it's, it's a big deal, mm-hmm. and you'll find out that we could never, ever, have gotten into a decadal survey in 1990. The astronomers just looked at this as a total waste of money. We were they we were talking about 100 million or so, a couple of hundred million. By the way, LIGO in its total amount, that includes building both the detector and building the second detector and the first detector mm-hmm. and running it for 17 years is about $1 billion. Yep, 1.1 billion, yeah, I was gonna bring right, that up. Exactly. Yep. Okay, I mean, when you put it all together, the astronomers, were scared shitless of this thing because they thought it would eat up all the money. Yeah, that could build like three miles of Donald Trump's wall. Well, the hell with that. <laughs> I mean, that's a total waste. But, yes, uh, of course. I'm kidding. But but no, no, no. But you had other things which were not a total waste. Bigger right. telescopes, and that would service a lot more people, a lot more science. They, and they were right in many ways. Uh-huh. So they were, the big thing that NSF should be given credit for is to take that gamble. The gamble they took. And the gamble they took was based, it was risky, uh-huh. and thank God for everybody, they won the gamble. Yes. How much longer do I have you? Yeah, well, you got me for another 10 minutes. Okay. So fast forward now.